Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. In just three weeks' time, the NFL Draft rolls back into Chicago, where Pace and company will make the selections that will make up their second draft class and set the Bears' future into motion for 2016. What should the Bears do with those picks, and who should they take with them? Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com joins us on the 2016 Draft Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Back once again, twice in two weeks. Boy, what are the odds, you know? But here we are once again, this time to preview the upcoming NFL Draft. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back with the brand new episode of the Chicago Bears Review. As I said in the opening and as I promised last week, Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com back on the show as he was last year to uh, talk to us about the uh, the draft and and as you hear me say at the beginning of the interview um, gonna keep it more bear specific this year and, and instead of uh, you know kind of uh, doing more general NFL draft talk and then kind of sprinkling the bears in um, just this is a huge draft for the bears uh, this year uh, the second one for for uh, for Fox and for pace uh, and company uh, this year uh, with the with the success that we had with with our second second third fourth and fifth round picks uh, last year can pace um, well first of all can Kevin White be the guy that we drafted him to be when he's healthy and ready to go and can pace and Fox duplicate that can they find another Adrian Amos can they find a Jeremy Langford ish player you know can they find somebody that they can plug in the best player available which is what they what he did a year ago can he find those guys can he do it twice can lightning strike twice where we have this exceptional uh draft class that uh you know can only get better with the contributions from white you'll actually hear um scott wright give his take on that uh, uh as well so not a lot of news coming out of the bears uh, camp uh, these days uh, i guess they're they're knuckling down uh, for the draft uh, no real no any no uh, acquisitions or signings since we last spoke uh, last week so everything kind of standing firm really the only thing that's happened in the stratosphere for the bears is uh, robbie gold won the uh, the ed block uh, courage award it's i think it's given to every at least one player on every every team and and uh robbie gold is the bears representative uh this year i believe the award forgive me if i'm getting this wrong uh is basically kind of like for the guy that that, that is a proven leader 
you know, on the team, and this is somebody that that you know teammates look to, and uh, basically they they vote upon, and and Robbie Gold was the winner uh, this year. So congrats to him. The the only guy still on the team uh, from the Super Bowl in two thousand and six, which is funny because uh, Kevin Butler was the last player standing in uh, nineteen eighty from the nineteen eighty five uh, Super Bowl team uh, before he was let go. Uh, as well so it's it's always the kickers man always the kickers so but uh you know Robbie Gold says he's actually putting on putting on some pounds I guess to to get some more leg behind it or something I don't know but uh hopefully it will help him with his accuracy because uh there were a couple of kicks he shanked last year could have helped us out uh quite a bit I mean I don't think the Bears would have been a playoff team or anything but we we would have been you know eight and eight instead of six and ten which would have been a far more successful season than than what we had. So, you know, a lot less disappointment if Robbie doesn't hook a couple of those kicks uh, last year. So, you know, aside from from that, the only other thing that's really been coming out is, uh, I mean, we talked about it last week. I actually touch upon it again uh, with Scott Wright to ask him his his take on it, but the the Bears being pronounced as front runners for Muhammad Wilkerson if – in fact, the Jets are willing to talk uh, about a trade, and uh, Scott gives his take on what the Bears should do, what what Wilkerson is worth, and uh, and so on. And um, it's an interesting one. I'll, I'll I'll take for sure. And actually, listening to him, I, I got to say that I agree with with his take on the uh, on the situation and, and what I would do uh, if I were in Ryan Pace's uh, position. And, and as a matter of fact, he also, uh, discusses briefly an, an option that we really haven't, haven't, uh, explored, uh, at this point. So, uh, be sure you stick around, uh, for that. Other than that, there's really, like I said, it was a very quiet week, uh, in, in the bear kingdom, uh, this week, no moves, no cuts, no trades, no signings, uh, or anything like that. Everyone stayed out of jail and out of, uh, you know, no DUIs or anything like that. So uh, very quiet on the home front uh, this time around. So all I have to say is uh, be sure and, and check us out. Um, you know, I, actually, I, I probably won't be back until after the draft as far as the Chicago Bears uh, review is concerned. I am now reaching out uh, to uh, the writers, uh, the SB Nation and other beat writers, uh, for the b- opponents for our beloved Chicago Bears to get things going with the preview, uh, opponent preview episodes. I want to get those started uh, sometime uh, next month because I want to do one for every team this year. Last year, uh, we, we did everybody in the NFC North. We did like one each in the in our, in our the two divisions that we were playing, the, uh, the NFC and AFC West, and then we did our same place opponent. So we still had about seven shows that we did. I want to do them all this time. I want to do all four for the AFC South. I want to do all four for the NFC East and get everybody back because we're going to have Sander Phillips back from Tampa Bay. Um, we'll see if we can actually find someone for San Francisco this time around. If not, I'm sure Ron Rugg will be happy to fill in for us again. And then, of course, we'll have Chris, Jeremy, and um, – Tex Western back for Evan Western uh, back for the uh, Packers uh, Vikings and Lions uh, respectively so we'll have our friends back uh, from our NFC North teams and uh, hopefully we'll make some new friends from the other uh, divisions uh, as well so uh, 
looking forward to that. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm reaching out to everyone to see who would be available and when and so on and so forth to get the ball rolling on those opponent previews as we inch closer and closer to the beginning of the season. The first step, of course, being the 2016 uh, NFL Draft. Uh, the Bears are going to actually be starting OTAs here uh, pretty soon, I think in the next week or two, uh, where uh, you know Kevin White will be back out on the field uh, with the Bears along with everyone else. And um, you know, very excited to, to see how that all goes and uh, waiting with bated breath to see how Kevin White looks. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. A year removed uh, from the injury is he really 100 percent you know and what has he really been getting himself in shape and getting ready uh, for this upcoming season which will be pivotal uh, in as far as whether or not we love or hate him in Chicago <laughs> so we'll have to uh, to wait and see what uh, what goes on there but um, you know so be sure and and uh, you know keep your eyes open uh, for that uh, for the show after the draft we'll have Scott Wright back to uh, to get his take on the class that we have have chosen and 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 everything else in between in the meantime you can catch me on football is america with ron rug and uh kyle uh frank we actually are going to have scott on the show uh this coming week as a matter of fact we're taping the show on sunday should be out by i think maybe tuesday wednesday at the latest uh is when uh you know ron usually gets them out so for more of a general take on the draft that's what we'll have scott right on the show for uh this coming sunday so be be on be you know be on the lookout for that show uh sometime early uh next week uh to see to get his take on just the draft in general top prospects so on and so forth we touch on it very very briefly at the end uh, of the interview it's a very bears heavy draft preview uh discussion uh that we have so for a more of a general nfl draft talk that's where you want to be is on football uh, is America to check us out with that uh, sometime early next week. So now without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and uh, dive in to this Bears specific draft talk with myself and Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com talking about the draft for the Bears in 2016. As we preview the 2016 NFL Draft, we bring back our first guest from last year because, you know, this is the second year that I'm actually having guests 
on the show our very first guest from 2015, Scott Wright from Draft NF from DraftCountdown.com. Scott, welcome back to the show to talk some draft with us. Hey, thanks for having me back. So let's just dive right in, and we're not going to do as much general NFL draft talk this year because there's just it's far too important a draft for the Bears. You're number two of Pace and Fox. Um, how would you assess how the Bears did with their picks in 2015? Well, I, I think to a large degree it's still an incomplete because we have to see Kevin White. I mean, he's the jewel of that class and the guy we're waiting on. But I, I think when you look at what they did later on down the line, they've got – I don't know that they got – impact guys but they got the very least got a handful of contributors and, mm-hmm. and and that's what you need to do you don't necessarily need to get all pros and pro bowlers with every pick in the middle to late rounds realistically teams are just trying to get backup special teamers at that point and if you get more great and and i think it was a good first class but uh we're never going to really be able to totally judge it until we see what kevin white brings to the table and he's the guy who could bring it from a good class to a great class or a good class to maybe a, a below average class. I think uh, there's a lot riding on, on Kevin White's performance. They need him to emerge as a big-time playmaker in that offense, and, and I think he will, uh, but but it's hard to really grade the Bears' performance last year until uh, we see what they get out of that, that top-10 overall pick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just looking at, at how they did last year, you know, if, if you've been keeping up with the free agency acquisitions, which, of course, you have to to, to assess who's going to pick where and, and things like that, um, how different would you say the Bears' approach to this draft might be compared to where they were last year? Well, I think it's probably changed to a certain degree even in the last few months. I think based on what they did uh, in in free agency, they went out and, and they kind of addressed the front seven of that defense. It's not as, as much of a glaring need as it was, and maybe that frees them up to, to look in a different direction. So, uh, and, and you look at the Bears roster, and there's really just a couple, two or three deficiencies right now that kind of stand out, whether it's an offensive lineman, maybe it's one more pass rusher, maybe it's a a cover guy to team with Kyle Fuller in the secondary, but it's not a bad team on paper. So uh, I just think there's one, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, but I think there's one glaring hole that stands out head and shoulders above the rest. And, and that's why I think there. I don't. There, there's no sure things in the NFL draft, but I'd be surprised if the Bears weren't targeting an offensive tackle with that number eleven overall pick. It's just, it's going to be a nice marriage of value at that position while also addressing what is clearly their most glaring need, in my opinion. Right. So let's go ahead and talk about that because you you have your post free agency mock draft. It's up on the uh, up on the website now. You did it at the end of uh, what last week on the thirty first. And you have the Bears taking Ronnie Stanley, the offensive tackle from from Notre Dame, uh, hoping that he is still there when the Bears uh, are picking. I've, I mean, the, the the funny thing about this mock draft season, if you will, is that everyone has a completely different opinion as to what happens after about the first two or three picks are off the board. Um, then you know, falling down to the Bears at eleven with uh, Ronnie Stanley, and and I agree with you. I think that uh, even with the help in spots that we need on defense, that that is the position that needs to be addressed most of all for the Bears. And I do think there's a chance Stanley could be there. Now, he is a very talented, probably belongs in the top five overall on talent alone, and maybe he ends up going there when all is said and done. But I wouldn't be shocked if he's there for the Bears. I, I, 
Laramie Tunsil from Ole Miss is kind of in a class uh, of his own. It's not like it's a 1A, 1B situation with Tunsil and Stanley. There's a clear drop-off there. And and there are legitimately teams, I, I believe, that are going to have Jack Conklin and or Taylor Decker rated right around the same range as Stanley, maybe even a little higher. So even if Stanley is gone, one of one, if not two or three of those blockers is going to be there for the Bears. And I think any of them would make sense. And Stanley, the, the one thing that's missing, I think, is just the consistency. He had a few too many penalties uh, as a senior. I showed a little bit of a lack of concentration. And you just, and, and I think the biggest question teams have is, does he have that killer instinct? Is uh, it, Does he go that that play to the, to the whistle? Um, does he have that that demeanor, that mentality you look for from a top-notch blocker. Tunsil has that. He wants to dominate you and, and put you in the ground every play. You don't always see that with Stanley. But if if you can if you can optimize Stanley's potential, you're getting one of the best players in this class because physically he's got it all. I mean, he's basically like a power forward playing left tackle. He is uh, an incredible linear athlete and a terrific feat and, and no slouch as a run blocker either. It's not that he's just this finesse pass blocker and one-dimensional. He can get the job done in the run game as well. It's just getting the most out of him on a consistent basis. But but even if he's gone, as I say, there's no it's not that big of a drop-off to whether it be Jack Conklin from Mississippi from Michigan State or Taylor Decker from Ohio State. So I think the Bears sitting there at number 11, they're in a pretty good spot to address their need with with one of those second-tier offensive tackles. So is is Conklin more of a killer instinct guy? Because I've seen him fall to the Bears in other mock drafts as well. Yeah, both both Taylor, both Taylor Decker and Jack Conklin have that that mentality, and, and Conklin in particular is a former walk-on. So you know this is a guy that's that's going to scrap and do all of the little things in addition to testing much better athletically than we anticipated in the workouts. So uh, I think both Conklin and Decker are legitimate top half of the first round type of talents. And and who knows if the Bears are sitting there at number 11 and, and a couple of them are still on the board, they could even explore moving down a, a few picks and, and still getting one of them. Uh, of course, you have to have somebody willing to move up and wanting to move up as well. But but there could be a market there. Maybe somebody wants to come up for Ezekiel Elliott if he's still available. Uh, I don't think he will be, but maybe. Uh, maybe they want to come up and get a cor- the top cornerback uh, in the draft after uh, after Jalen Ramsey, so uh, I think there could, there's potentially could be a market for that pick, but one way or another, I think the Bears have to come out around one with one of those three offensive tackles, whether it be Stanley Conklin or Decker. Sure. So, so in uh, just going based on your mock draft, you have the Bears taking Stanley at eleven. Now, Pace proved last year with the picks that he made that he is a best player available kind of guy when it comes to the draft is Stanley the best player available at 11 or would you rate it as somebody else in that spot no I think at that point Stanley would be the best player available and 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 even if Stanley's gone I think you can make a really good case that Conklin would be if not the next best player available certainly in the next grouping of best players available so uh no matter which one of those blockers they went with it, it wouldn't be an extraordinary reach at number 11 I think uh, very, very easy to justify any one of those three Okay, so you 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 mock the first three rounds. Um, in the second round, you got us an outside linebacker from from Boise State. Now I, I don't really even want to know his name at this point, but <laughs> I just know that it was an outside linebacker from Boise State, and we just got rid of one. So I'm not sure we want to dive back into that pool again. So, who any any other options you might have for us in the second round besides that? 
Well, I'll alleviate your concerns a little bit, maybe, on Kamala okay. Correa, Boise State, in that he's a different type of player than Shane McClellan, and, okay. and I think a better prospect than Shane McClellan was. And, and he could very easily go in the first round. He's a guy with a lot of buzz, and uh, there, there, there's still kind of some uncertainty in terms of those edge pass rushers in the first round. So he's right there in that late first, early to mid-second round range. Uh, it, the, the thing with Kamala Correa is he's a little raw. Um, he, he needs to work on mastering the nuances, especially since he's going to be making that transition from a college defensive end to a pro outside linebacker, but uh, good length. He's a good athlete off the edge and, and it's really just about uh, rounding off his game and, and teaching him the finer points of the position. But uh, he, he has a lot of fans in the league and, and there's a good chance he wouldn't even last to 41. And, and the reason I guess I went with him there is no direct knowledge that, Oh, the bears like Kamala Correa or anything like that. It's just that, well, if they didn't go off its tackle in the first round, I think pass rusher is another strong possibility. So who was the best pass rusher still available? And and, and it was Correa at that point. And, and that's the type of position where if you need a pass rusher, you better get them in the first couple of rounds because right. even if there's a lot of them, they're going to come off the board quick. By the time you get in, into the third round, but certainly the fourth or fifth round, you're probably not going to get a pass rusher who's going to come in and make any type of significant impact for you as a rookie. Now it's possible, but it's, it's just uh, against the odds, I think. So uh, if the bears do want to get a pass rusher and they don't go that way in round one, they better in round two because there might not be one who can help them in round three. Right now, speaking of pass rushers, this isn't a guy that comes off the edge, but somebody that the bears have been rumored to be um, good trade partners with the jets for is uh, Muhammad Wilkerson. Now, you know, he would be an absolute beast if the Bears could get their hands on him. 12 sacks for the Jets last year from, from the five technique, which is outstanding. Um, wh what, do you, what would you value, like what would you think the Bears would have to give up to get Muhammad Welkerson? I'm sure the starting point would be number 11, and, yeah. and, and they'd probably go from there. And, and, is he and, worth it, though? Honestly, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Um, and, and he's a heck of a player. He's an outstanding player, but we're not talking about JJ Watt here. Um, yeah, I, I think you can you can get a good player that that can, he's not going to be Muhammad Wilkerson good, but you can get a, a, a general facsimile, maybe eighty percent of the production, but at ten percent of the cost. Right. Uh, and, and honestly, I'm not sure the Jets are going to want to move him anyways. And and we've kind of said for a while here now, well, something's going to have to give along that Jets defensive line. They can't pay. Uh, Wilkerson, Leonard Williams, Sheldon Richardson, and then, of course, Damon Harrison. They just lost uh, in, in free agency this offseason, so they couldn't pay everyone. They've already had to make a cut there. And, boy, I have a hard time seeing them keeping and paying Sheldon Richardson over Muhammad Wilkerson because Richardson's such a question mark off the field with some character concerns. Right. Uh, I, I don't see them parting ways with Wilkerson. Uh, and, and if the Bears want a player like that, you can get a player like that in this draft, and it, it, it feels it sounds. I feel like I'm I'm denigrating Muhammad Wilkerson, who's one of the better defensive linemen in the league. Uh, it, it's definitely not that. It's just for what he brings to the table. I don't know that I want to make that type of investment. Not only in terms of of trading that draft pick, but then you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money, a big chunk of your salary cap. And right. you know, uh, I'd rather try to trade up for DeForest Buckner. I, even trading up, it's cheaper if you're in, intent on having a player like that. DeForest Buckner's younger and cheaper. Um, maybe uh, try to get a, a Bronson Kafusi in the second round from BYU. He could be a possibility. I, I just wouldn't go down that road in terms of the cost for the type of player Wilkerson is in terms of either the draft pick compensation or the contract. Okay. All right. I like that. Now, 
While I was on your website checking out the mock draft uh, earlier today, I found your link to drafthistory.com, uh, mm -hmm. and I went back and I looked at the history of the Bears and the draft picks. Now, after I got done vomiting, um, I, I, I went back and I looked at it again just to make sure that I wasn't my eyes weren't deceiving me. Uh, and then I went in and, and I did a little bit of further analysis. Now, just from 2010, the Bears made 23 draft picks. Not not as many as they should have made, like 28, but, you know, draft trades and so on and so forth. 23 picks from 2010. The Bears, from those four classes, have four players out of 23. And only two of them, Kyle Long and Alshon Jeffrey, are worth talking about or keeping for that matter. The other two players are Marquise Wilson and, and um, Cornelius Washington, both of which are just hanging on to the roster by a thread and are likely to probably not make the roster this year, as a matter of fact. So, um, you know, why do you think the Bears have struggled so mightily in, 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 the, in, in drafting players that are, that are worth keeping around? Yeah, well, and, and the first thing I can do is if I, if you want to feel a little better about your drafting record, go look at the Cleveland Browns on draft history, and <laughs> and that's going to make you feel a little better at the very least. It can always sure. be worse, and like you said, at least there's one or two bright spots in there. And you know, I actually pulled that up too as you were talking, and I, I was I'm looking through the list trying to find like a common theme or a common link. Oh, they're they're doing this wrong, they're doing that wrong, and. And, and, and I don't know that there really is one. I guess the one thing I would point out is is in the earlier rounds, I think they've used some picks on some lower upside type players. Um, and, and, and then, of course, in the late rounds, they haven't got the payoff you'd expect. And, and it's unrealistic to hope for pro bowlers or all pros in the late rounds, but at the very least, you want to get guys who can be cheap roster fillers, who can play on special teams and contribute. And, and they struggle to even find that. And, and, and we were talking uh, earlier about how it's a correlation. You can see it in the college football as well. When a, when a program all of a sudden takes a downward turn, you can probably trace it back to poor recruiting, whether it be not getting good players in or not developing them once they got there. Whatever the reason, a lack of talent is going to catch up to you in the end if you're not doing a good job scouting and developing. And, and I think it's clear the Bears hadn't been doing that, and that's why they're in the situation they have been. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's no wonder, you know, when you look at this and you look at Green Bay – now they don't hit on every one of their draft picks, but they at least have, you know, in in my just my own observation, they at least hit on one pick a year where this guy comes in, whether it be his first first rounder or fourth rounder, always kind of seem to hit on this one guy who comes in and makes immediate impact and and things like that. And going back to you know, like I said, 2010, we have zero players from that draft, zero from 2011, one from 2012 which is Alshon Jeffrey our franchise player and Kyle Long from 2013 with our sixth and seventh round pick in that draft are the only players left so the second third fourth and fifth round picks in in those in those drafts are no longer with the team from a class that's only three years removed well and some of those picks too you could see the problems coming I mean Gabe Karimi he had durability issues I can remember being down at the senior bowl and seeing him on the that practice on the, on the sideline on the bench with his leg up he was hurt and Shane McClellan I thought he was overdrafted I didn't have him as a first round pick uh, some of the safeties they've drafted I think they they particularly have done a very poor job evaluating the safety position oh, not as much re real recently but certainly back when you're getting to the major rights in the Chris Conti days Brandon yeah. Harden there's another one but uh 
I, you know, as you were talking, I was, I was interested as you were looking through that, that history, uh, is, is there one pick that kind of jumps out of you that really burns you that, that gets you maybe more heated than any other for one reason or another? Well, number one would be for me, Shay McClellan, because I wanted Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. That was the guy that I in that draft that I wanted and that, you know, was was counting down. And if it wasn't Chandler Jones, I wanted um, Riley Reef, who went to the who went to the, the Lions. You know, I thought we could use help on the offensive Would line. Would have been and, a solid pick for. Yeah. But Riley Reef, Chandler Jones. Instead, the Bears do what they had always done up to that point, which is to pick the guy that I've never heard of before. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we've got these kind of quote unquote household name guys, you know, and how cool would it be as a UFC fan to have John Jones brother on the team? You know, that that guy will be there. Or maybe I can run into John Jones at the game or something like that. But instead, we went with with uh, with McClellan, who we played out of position his entire tenure in Chicago. And now maybe he'll be used properly uh, in New England. But well, that's and, that's one for sure that burns me up. And I look back on McClellan. I thought he was overdrafted. And it wasn't ridiculous reach. I mean, he was legitimately in maybe the late first round conversation. I don't know if top 20, I think, is where they took him. That, that was definitely a stretch. But it's not like he was a third rounder they took in the first round. But personally, I look back. I had him at number 44 in my final rankings. I had Riley Reef at 14. I had Chandler Jones at 24. So I think both of those guys would have been uh, much better values, but it, it cuts both ways too because the Bears did something a little unconventional in the draft uh, a year later or a couple of years later. Or it was just one year later with Kyle Long, who at the time yeah. a lot of people thought, oh, that's a reach, top 20. I don't know. He was kind of same value as Shea McClellan, where, oh, yeah, top 50, but not necessarily top 20. And, and that couldn't have worked out any better. So yeah. you win some, you lose some, I guess. But but with Shea McClellan, Gabe Karimi going back, it's not, there have been warning signs with some of these mistakes. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And, um, you know, speaking of, of uh, mock drafts, there was one, and, I, and it inspired me to do a show about a month ago. It was a full seven-round mock draft and I won't get into all the details of the draft or anything like that but there was one move in particular that actually made me want to do a show about it and it was a like a, a, the Bears traded up in the fifth round I mean this guy had trades and everything mixed in had the Bears trading up in the fifth round to land Jalen Smith from Notre Dame now with with his knee injury and the the level of you know the how bad the injury ended up being uh, and everything would Jalen Smith still be around in the fifth round I mean where do you see him going knowing that going into the draft he's probably not going to play in 2016 no I don't think he's going to be around that long uh, okay. and it, 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 I always say that as independent draft analysts the, the place where we're at the biggest disadvantage is the medicals and more often than not when a player just free falls dramatically further than we expected more often than not, it's because there's an underlying medical concern that we didn't know about. So so we don't really know, and, and there's been some pessimistic reports out there, but uh, I still think Jalen Smith goes in the first round and all is said and done. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, I, I just I think back to a year ago, Cedric Abui, who wasn't nearly the prospect or talent that Jalen Smith is, he still went in the first round. The top, was he 20 or 21 to the Bengals? And he got hurt the same situation in the bowl game, so he wasn't going to be ready for probably half of his rookie season. So, And I think that's what's really hurting Jalen Smith more so than the injury. It's the timing of the injury. I think if he had gotten hurt in October or September, 
I think he might still go in the top 10, top 15 overall, just like Todd Gurley last year. It's just so late in the process where it, it puts his availability for not only at the start of the season, maybe the first half of the season, maybe even his entire rookie season in doubt. I think that's what's going to maybe push him down. But uh, certainly I would think a top 50. And unless, as I say, I mean, it's just so hard because we I'm not a doctor. We don't know what these te- what these doctors are telling the teams. And, and there's not even going to be consistency within the league medically from team to team uh every team they get there's different doctors some are more conservative some are more liberal some will take chances some won't right. uh you just never know from team to team so it's it's, it's a very gray area and, and, and there's a lot of x factors with jan smith but i am going to the cincinnati Bengals at 24 i think that would be a good fit i think there's a bunch of potential landing spots though in that second half of the first round and at the end of the day he's just too talented to, to fall that far i mean cedric abui last year Without the injury, he, he went right about the range he would have without the injury. He was a late first-round value. Jalen Smith hadn't got hurt. We're talking about a top-five overall pick, maybe in the mix for number one overall. He's that type of talent. So right. I still think he's a first-rounder when all is said and done. So didn't Miles Jack get hurt early in the season or, like, in the preseason last year, and he's still slated to go, like, fourth overall in, in, in the draft, right? Yep, about three months earlier, Miles Jack got hurt, and the knee injury wasn't nearly as serious. It was a relatively minor injury in comparison to Jalen Smith. It was season-ending, but um, but yeah, it's kind of apples and oranges to compare the, the, those two situations, not only in the severity of the injury, but the timing as well. And, and, sure. and I just can't emphasize enough about the timing is what's really hurting Jalen Smith. They get hurt in the bowl game like that January 1st, and then to have it be so serious. that uh, Because look at Todd Gurley. I, his availability for the start of the season was in doubt, uh, but he still went 10 overall, and he missed the first basically month, I think, before they really worked him in and, and had him clicking up, uh, hitting on all cylinders. So uh, Jalen Smith, no question, he's going to be one of the, the storylines of this draft and where he comes off the board. I think uh, even people around the league would probably uh, are probably going to be interested to find out. So... Um... I was, you know, I, I, I'm a mock draft junkie this time of year. I, I absolutely, you know, look all over the place and found one. Uh, I think I saw a link for it on on website had the Bears uh, taking a quarterback in the fourth round. It was it was actually Dak Prescott from from Mississippi State. So the Bears taking a quarterback in those mid rounds because they're probably not Carson Wentz isn't going to fall to eleven. And uh, what do you think? Golf might be gone by the time eleven rolls around. I think more than likely, yeah. I think yeah. they'll be gone too. And there's a chance Lynch could be gone uh, as well. I mean, there's a chance we could have three quarterbacks in the top 10, but but there, there could be one there at 11. I think Lynch is probably the most likely of the three. Okay. So what mid-round quarterback is, is Prescott a good fit for the Bears, or would you go with more of like a Cardale Jones, or is there somebody else out there that you think would be a good fit in the fourth-round area that that one particular draft had the Bears taking one in? You know, and one thing I've kind of come to realize at the quarterback position, especially in recent years, is it's kind of a beauty in the eye of the beholder situation. I think sure. everybody looks for different traits in quarterbacks, and there isn't exactly an exact measuring six. For me personally, I love Cardell Jones, quarterback from Ohio State. I think he's got as much or more potential than any non-first-round quarterback I've ever seen during the draft process. Uh, now there's reasons he's going to be available beyond the first round, but if everything works, you're talking about a legitimate top 10 overall franchise type of quarterback. So he's actually my number four quarterback in this entire draft. Uh, but Dak Prescott's definitely a guy who's getting some talk right around that end of day two, very early day three. I think the most notable team he's been linked to is uh, the Denver Broncos. They've shown a lot of interest in him and that's where I had him going in my most recent mock draft. But this draft, one thing that's nice about it is there's a lot more options 
at quarterback this year. Last year was just the worst quarterback class I've ever seen after Winston Mariota, who went one, two, and then it just fell off a cliff. Right. Uh, this year, there are legitimately non-first round quarterbacks that you could see developing into starters in the league. Whereas last year was basically long shots and, and, and career backups. Uh, I already mentioned Cardell Jones, Connor Cook from Michigan State is going to come off the board somewhere in that second day. Uh, Christian Hackenberg from Penn State. He's another one of the big wild cards of this draft. Uh, Coming out of high school, he was being, and as a freshman, we were talking about maybe top 10 overall pick, maybe number one overall someday. And the last couple of years has just been a nightmare. He's been kind of on the, uh, the same career path that we saw from Logan Thomas at Virginia Tech, where his draft stock just fell out the more he played. But boy, if you feel it was the result of the system there at Penn State and you can get him turned around, there's a potential big reward there for a relatively little risk. And then even further down the line, Jeff Driscoll from Louisiana Tech is kind of intriguing. Nate Sudfeld from Indiana. Uh, all throughout the draft, there is some intriguing developmental quarterbacks this year. And, and I think the Bears should be in the market for one. It's just a matter of, of at what point they want to make that investment. There was a quarterback from, from Arkansas that I've seen some Bear fans are particularly infatuated with Brandon Allen. Allen. Yep, Brandon Allen. Allen. Brandon Allen. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. N- not yeah. real big. Uh, had had a nice senior year. He's only six one and three ace. Uh, pretty good bulk though. I, I he's right on that fringe. For me, he's more of a priority free agent. But if he was a sixth or seventh round pick, I, I could very easily see that. Uh, it it depends on what type of player you're looking for. Um, but but yeah, he's right on the fringe as a late round possibility. Absolutely. And and last year where we basically had half as many draftable quarterbacks as we, as we usually do. This year we might have more than the average. Uh, Usually, it's about twelve quarterbacks drafted over the last decade. This year, I think there's easily going to be twelve, and I think it could pump up to maybe fifteen. Okay, because that's the other thing too. Some of these players are going to come in and take the jobs of some of the lesser players from a year ago, who who kind of won roster spots and opportunities by default just because there weren't better options. Now there's better options coming along to take those jobs. Sure. Now talk to me about tight ends because we have Zach Miller, who had a great season uh, for the Bears. Last year, Martellus Bennett was inconsistent at best and then was injured for the last quarter of the season. We've traded him away to New England, who now have the most frightening pair of tight ends in the history of the game. Um, what what options do the Bears have for tight ends in the draft? Is Hunter Henry going to be around at 41 in the second round, or can we kiss that goodbye if we don't maybe trade down in the first round to get him at, say, the 20 area or something like that? No, Hunter Henry from Arkansas could be there 41, and, and I think he's a Zach Miller type of player. I think that's who he kind of projects to be at the next level. Now, I don't even think he's as good of a prospect as Max Williams was a year ago, and he went late in the second round as the top tight end off the board. And This, this tight end class as a whole, not good. Uh, I, I think the worst position in this class, not only at the top, but – all throughout. Uh, it, it, there, there isn't a whole lot to get excited about. And, and even the top tier guys are going to go probably a round or two earlier than they normally would. And then once you get to the middle rounds, you're basically drafting late rounders and priority free agents. It, it's, a, it's a tough year if you're looking for help at the tight end position. Uh, certainly Henry is going to be, I, I think, the first one off the board. Uh, Austin Hooper from Stanford's an intriguing guy. Certainly a good program pedigree. Stanford's been pumping out pro tight ends for a number of years right now. Came out as a redshirt sophomore, so his Best football is still ahead of him. Uh, Nick Vanna from Ohio State, the top senior, doesn't really get a, a lot of pub, and he's not a sexy player. He's not going to be the Gronk, but he's going to be a good all-around player in the NFL, and I think he's going to be a third-round pick. Uh, and then after that, it starts to drop off. Jarrell Adams from South Carolina is somewhat intriguing. Tyler Higby from Western Kentucky. But after that top five or six, you're basically looking at, at, at career backups or or 
developmental types. So uh, this is not the year to, need to get a tight end, and you're probably going to be overpaying if you get one of those top six. But if you don't get one of the top six, you're probably going to be in a, a little bit of a jam if you if you need them to contribute right away. So um, it, it, this is not the year to be in the market for a tight end. I think that's one of the reasons, you, for example, you saw the Green Bay Packers go out and sign Jared Cook. I think teams are why maybe the Patriots went out and traded for Martellus Bennett. I think there's probably better options out there in, on, in terms of the veterans than there's going to be in the draft for the most part. All right. So let's let's go ahead and, and wrap things up, and, and we'll do it with a, with a general uh, draft uh, question. Now, was it, was it last year or the year before that there was basically no movement at all in the first round? Basically the picks went as they were slated to. Was, was it last year or the year before that were like maybe there were like two trades and everything else just went according to plan? Yeah, well, and for the most part, in, in the last two, three years, I would say there hasn't been a ton of movement at the top of the draft. But uh, last year, I think, pretty much went to form. We didn't really see any major uh, deals. Okay. Now, Tennessee has gone on record as saying that they are open to trading that top pick. Who would who do you think would be the best fit at number one to maybe jump up and take one of the – like who needs a quarterback and who do you think is most likely to make a move like that? Yeah, and, and I – I think the Titans at number one basically have three options. Uh, I think the most likely is Laramie Tunsil, the offense tackle from Ole Miss. Uh, he's the best player in this draft in mine and a lot of others' opinions. He's legitimate franchise left tackle, number one overall pick, and they have to protect Mariota. So I think that's the heavy favorite. And they let it, then the other two options, one, they could take Jalen Ramsey, the defensive back from Florida State, who's they, they need help at the position. He's a top-of-the-draft type of talent, but – we haven't seen DB go number one overall since 1956. So not unprecedented, but wow. but pretty rare. And, and then the other option would be a trade. And, and the only scenario where I see a trade getting done is if somebody is absolutely in love with a quarterback, probably Carson Wentz from North Dakota State, Mary, maybe Jared Goff from Cal, and they want to get ahead of the Cleveland Browns at number two overall. Uh, and, and who would do that? Uh, I think you look at the other quarterback needy teams in the top ten. I don't think Dallas is going to take a quarterback, even if there's one there at four, but they did coach Carson Wentz at the Senior Bowl, so i got to th at least throw them in there. But certainly the San Francisco 49ers, Chip Kelly is going to need a quarterback. And I think after his experience in Philadelphia, I think he realizes how important it is in the NFL to get that position right. Maybe the right. Philadelphia Eagles, now that they moved up to number eight overall, they're kind of in striking range. So I would say that certainly the Eagles – uh, and then 49ers would be the most likely teams to move up. But that would be spending from outside of the top five all the way up to number one overall. Um, I guess I'll be pretty surprised if that happens. But if there is a trade to be done, it's going to be for a quarterback. I think that's the only way the Titans would be able to make a deal there. And and it's possible somebody falls in love with a quarterback. And I wouldn't fault them if they did. I always say it's impossible to overpay for a good quarterback. And if you're the Niners or the Eagles and you feel Carson Wentz is the guy – who cares what you have to give up? Give up two, three first-round picks. All that matters is getting a good quarterback. Everything else sorts itself out once you get a good quarterback. And if you have a conviction in your guy and a guy, do what it takes to get him. But but when all is said and done, I think Laramie Tunsil is going to be the number one pick to the Titans. All right. And then finally, the, the poor and terrible Cleveland Browns. The, everything, include, including youth, says they're going to take a quarterback at number two. But the question is, should they? Yes. Should they should they take a quarterback at number two? I mean, that the just the the trail of dead bodies of former quarterbacks of the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they 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 went out and they got RG three. I know he's not a world beater anymore, but you know, can he hold down the fort and they figure something else out or whatever? Should they really ruin another rookie quarterback? You got to keep trying. I mean, if your house burns down, you don't 
start living outdoors for the rest of your life. You got to keep, you got to keep <laughs> trying. And, and their track record with quarterbacks has been awful. No question about it. But, but yes, yes, a hundred times. Yes. They need to take a quarterback and number two, they just need to figure out which one they like the best and take them. It, it's as simple as that. And, and they shouldn't even consider anything else. And, and this is coming from someone who thinks Laramie Tunsil and Jalen Ramsey are elite talents. I think they're the two best players in this draft. I'm very stingy with that, that, that label. Uh, and I don't think, there's a quarterback that's one of the top five players in this draft. But if you don't have a good quarterback, you could have 11 Laramie Tunsils or 11 Jalen Ramseys. It's not going to make a lick of difference. So uh, I think Carson Wentz is a perfect fit for the Browns. Is he a sure thing? No. Uh, I mean, he's not Andrew Luck. I mean, that's ridiculous. Andrew Luck comes along once every 20 years or so. But he's a very good quarterback prospect. He's legitimately a top 10 overall type of guy. And not only the physical tools, but the intangibles. And, and in Cleveland, I think that's going to be so important. There's so much to overcome in Cleveland. And this is a player who's been a part of a winning program. Granted, it was at the FCS level, but he's just won five straight national championships. He knows what it takes to be a part of a winning program organization. Uh, he's from uh, North Dakota. And believe me, I live right next door in Minnesota. He's going to be able to handle the cold weather in Cleveland, even though he played indoors in college. He's a North Dakota guy, and, and he's going to be able to handle the elements. That's not going to be a factor for him. So I think just Carson Wentz makes the most sense. But if they think Goff is the guy, take him. If they think Lynch is the guy, take him. But just pick a quarterback because nothing else is going to get turned around until they figure out that position. <laughs> I just – yeah. I mean, I, I obviously you're right, but it's just, you know, really should – are they going to do it again? You know, Manziel and Whedon and, you know, and even going back to Tim Couch when they got kickstarted as a franchise again, it's just like, you know, if I was a quarterback, that's the last place on the planet that I would want to go, regardless of the fact that Hugh Jackson is there now and he seems to, you know, do well with young quarterbacks. I just – I wouldn't want to go there if I was Carson Wentz. Once you get a quarterback, things start to turn around so quickly, your head starts to spin. Think of where the Oakland Raiders were a couple years ago at this time. True. I mean, that's true. they were the laughing stock. Ha, 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 the Raiders. Now, all of a sudden, I think every, just about every, even Patriots fans would probably be pretty intrigued if they were offered a straight-up trade for that roster. They got a lot of young talent, and it all started with getting Derek Carr there. So, uh, Cleveland, they lost, they had some losses this offseason, but – in the grand scheme of things, are they really going to miss Tayshawn Gibson? Are they really going to miss Travis Benjamin? No. I mean, they didn't lose anything that's going to really hurt them long term. They didn't lose anybody that can't be replaced. Uh, just get that. Get a good quarterback with number two. And I, I bet when we're talking two years from now, uh, we're going to be singing a very different tune for the Cleveland Browns. Now, if they take the wrong quarterback, if it doesn't work out, they're going to be an even deeper hole than usual. They're probably going to have an entire new front office and coaching staff again. But, but you got to keep trying. Uh, you just, yeah. until you get the quarterback position right, nothing else is going to matter. No, I agree. I agree. I just, like I said, wouldn't want to go to Cleveland if I was a quarterback uh, well, right now. Eventually, it's got to turn their favor, right? They're You're right. I mean, it has to eventually, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see how that one how that one unfolds. Now, um, before we let you go, where else can we find you online? I understand you have a podcast, don't you? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me, of course, DraftCountdown.com. I just had the recently updated three-round mock draft, lots of analysis. Uh, over the weekend now, I'm going to be working on my, basically the final version of my rankings. I've been really doing my final research, and uh, so watch out for those. You can check out the DC podcast. I have links on the site, or you can search for it on iTunes. Just search for Draft Countdown, and you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Draft Countdown. 
All right, now, and also, we are going to have Scott Wright on Football is America this weekend, so I'll keep you guys posted on where you can hear. We'll probably get more in-depth with more general draft talk and not just focusing only on the Bears, even though Ron and I are both uh, Bears fans, but we'll try and, and sprinkle in the rest of the NFL in there somewhere, you know, just to kind of, you know, keep it fair, I guess. But, um, Scott, great having you uh, back on the show. Hope to talk to you after the draft to see what you think of what Pace and company did uh, in the 2016 draft. It was my pleasure. Good talking as always. All right. Scott Wright from NF from I always say NFL. You, you dropped the NFL, didn't you? They'll both get you there. Either one. They'll both get you there. OK, because it was NFL draft countdown when we first talked to you. It's been 2006. The first time that Simmons and I had you on. Time flies. Isn't it ridiculous, man? Uh, anyway, draftcountdown.com, and you can also find the podcast on iTunes. Scott Wright joining us to talk about the NFL draft. Don't know if you caught what I was saying there at the end. Uh, about how long it's been that I've known Scott Wright. Uh, we do go way back. 2006 was the first time that um, that I had a conversation with Scott Wright and, and bringing him onto a show that I did, oh, man, years ago uh, with my good friend Ryan Simmons. We've had him on the show a few times. It's been a while since Ryan's been on, but uh, Ryan is a Colts fan, so maybe we'll get him on the show at some point this year to talk about the Bears' impending uh, match up with the Colts or something maybe we can make that happen but um, yeah Simmons and I did a general sports show we called the sports talk uh, underground and and uh, you know both of both he and I are big draft nuts and uh, you know we got in touch with Scott and he was gracious enough to come on to the show uh, and talk to us did it for a couple years uh, when Simmons and I were still doing that show I don't know if any of you are have known me that long as far as uh, if any of you our fans that followed me, the Chicago Bears review, or if you found me just doing this show, or if any of you know of my history, uh, Simmons and I doing that show together, the Sports Talk Underground. But uh, that's what uh, that's where I know Scott Wright from, and that's God, ten years. Where the hell does it go? You know what I'm saying? Where does it go? So anyway, um, you know, it was it was fun talking to Scott, especially when we were touching upon the the, the draft classes. I mean, talk about it. What a goddamn nightmare. Uh, looking at the, the, the draft classes that the Bears have had and, you know, all those picks, all those players. I mean, like I said, 23 players just from 2010 through 2013, four draft classes, 23 players, two players worth talking about, Kyle Long and Alshon Jeffrey. Everybody else, I mean, Marquise Wilson, Cornelius Washington, just barely hanging on to roster spots and – Everybody else is gone. You know, as a matter of fact, most of those guys aren't even in the league anymore. You know, John Bostick barely hanging on with the Patriots right now. Kasim Green is out of the NFL. Jordan Mills, I think he's signed a reserve contract with somebody, which basically means he's been invited to camp, but he's no promises as far as making the roster uh, is concerned. I mean, just, I mean, that's 2013 that we're talking about. Three players still on the team from a draft just a few classes removed. And 2012, McClellan and Jeffrey were it going into 2015. That's all that we had left from that class going into 2015. So, 
you know, with McClellan gone now, Jeffrey is the last man standing from a class that's only four years ago. And that's, I mean, you look at that and you look at Green Bay and even the strides that Detroit and Minnesota have been making with their picks uh, and everything, it's, it's no wonder that the Bears can't gain traction uh, in this division. And I'm, you know, I'm, I've, it, it's a lot better because even the jury is even still out on 2014, the last uh, class that, that Emery had his hands on. You know, Kyle Fuller was better as a rookie than he was as a second-year guy. He still had, his, he had his, uh, his moments. Ferguson and Sutton were in and out of the lineup because they were injured uh you know last year so i mean it's just there's there's a lot still waiting to happen with the 2014 draft class still a little too soon to judge them most of the guys still on the team as a matter of fact i think the only guy that still isn't with the bears is uh brock vereen he's not with the bears anymore but everybody else still is but none of those guys have had the impact that the four guys from last year did and jeremy langford grassu um amos and um goldman so you know obviously you know pace hit one you know as far as what we've experienced over the last several years as far as our draft classes uh, are concerned you know pace hit one out of the park when when you know he had he made six picks four of them played and contributed the other two didn't play at all so you know the guys that did actually play were contributors and will be starters going into 2016 most likely and you know there are guys that are two classes removed that will be backups at best if they continue to stick with the team so um hopefully pace and you know his talent for evaluation and being able to find the right guys to to join us in the windy city uh will continue going into 2016 and beyond and he has another great draft class that will help the bears close the gap uh in this division uh so we can you know, so we can have some shows in January, for Christ's sake. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I've only had one season going to the playoffs since I started doing this damn show, 2010. And, of course, that ended by getting my goddamn heart broken in the NFC title game against the freaking Packers of all teams. Just It had to be Green Bay. My one and only playoff run ends with a loss to the freaking Packers. This, that can't be. You know, I'm going to do this show until I die. That cannot be the only playoff season I get to talk about here on this show so you know fingers crossed that uh, we can make some things happen and, and uh, you know the magic will continue into January so when you make a playoff run and and have some uh, some happy happy playoff review episodes uh, this year and 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 beyond so uh, fingers crossed uh, on that so so as I said before uh, the interview uh, probably won't be back until after uh, the draft when we'll most likely have Scott Wright back to analyze our class uh, for us. And uh, in the meantime, you can catch me on Football is America with Ron and Kyle. We will have Scott back on the show this weekend. Uh, so the show probably comes out, usually comes out a day or two after uh, it's recorded. So probably uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday at the latest, I would believe, be able to hear a more draft, more general uh, draft discussion you know, trying to include the entire league as opposed to just, you know, focusing uh, on the Bears, which is what we did the majority uh, of this uh, conversation. So um, be sure to tune in to that and every other episode that we have on Football is America. I'll be sure to let you guys know uh, when those episodes are out if you just check the Chicago Bears review page, um, you know, in the meantime. So keep your eyes open. 
Uh, like I said, I'm reaching out to the SP Nation guys and any other beat writers I'm trying to get in touch with so we can get our, our opponent preview episodes started. want to get those going uh, sometime in May because we got 14 of them to do. And uh, I'm going to try and get all the teams uh, this time around. So I kind of did about half the teams last year. I want to do them all this time around and, and get them all, uh, get everybody in there uh, this time. So looking forward to uh you know, getting everybody on the show and having the discussions and, you know, see what our opponents think about uh, their teams and, and, and facing the Bears in 2016 uh, and, and, and how they think it's all going to, uh, to shake out. So be on the lookout for those. I'll keep you guys posted on everything. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Shy Bears Review, C-H-I Bears Review. And uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be back at the end of the month once the draft is closed up. So until then... My name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.